One addition we need to add to our announcements, a very important addition, our quarterly business meeting is coming up on August the 7th, August the 7th, so in just a couple of weeks on a Wednesday, our quarterly business meeting. So those who have reports due for that, please give handles in to me and uh, so that we can do our, excuse me, quarterly business meeting properly and in order. Our scripture reading now comes from Esther chapter 5. Turn there with me in your Bibles, Esther chapter 5. Let's all stand in respect to the reading of God's holy word, Esther chapter 5. I ask you to follow along with me as I read aloud. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's quarters while the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight. And he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. And the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given you even to the half of my kingdom. And Esther said, If it please the king... Let the king and Haman come today to a feast that I have prepared for the king. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly so that we may do as Esther has asked. So the king and Haman came to the feast that Esther had prepared. And as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king said to Esther, What is your wish? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Esther answered, My wish and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my wish and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come to the feast that I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king has said. And Haman went out that day joyful and glad of heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he neither rose nor trembled before him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. And he sent and brought his friends and his wife Zeresh. And Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches, the number of his sons, all the promotion with which the king had honored him, and how he advanced had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. Then Haman said, Even Queen Esther, let no one but me come with the king to the feast she prepared. And tomorrow also I am invited by her together with the king. Yet all this is worth nothing to me, so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Let a gallows 50 cubits high be made, and in the morning tell the king to have Mordecai hanged upon it. Then go joyfully with the king to the feast. This idea pleased Haman, and he had the gallows made. 
It's a beautiful story. It's a true account of God's word as we study through the story of Esther. May God enlighten our hearts and teach us his word so that we know how he would have us to live and how we fit the purpose he's given to us for his kingdom. Let's take a moment to bow in prayer. If you remain standing with me, we have a word of prayer. Then our choir comes with a special song before the message this morning. Dear Lord, we are thankful to be gathered here today to have a place in this city where we can come together, be encouraged through the fellowship, the teaching and preaching of your word, and to leave out of this place energized and excited about how you want to use us to impact this city for the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for the many ministry opportunities, the ones that are coming up. I thank you for yesterday with the Milwaukee Rescue Mission and Brian preaching at that uh, service and that you touched hearts there. We thank you for that. We thank you for uh, our service today. We pray you bless the preaching of your word in it. And we pray for this week coming up that you would bring boys here, that you would bring our men here to, to interact with them and that parents as they come, Lord, that we would uh, just be able to uh, speak and live your truth in front of them so that they can have an opportunity to hear the gospel, respond to it, and be challenged to live by it. Bless your word again as it goes out today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Esther is a very interesting and exciting book in the Old Testament, and it tells a beautiful story. And the story, of course, has a purpose, and that purpose fits in with all that God is doing, all that he will do, and all that he has done. As we look at the Word of God, we need to see the theme and understand God is revealing himself in his word. He's revealing what he does and what he's about to do. And Esther helps us see that. And so you should have in your mind, what is God doing? And then you should be asking that question in your same life. What is he doing in my life? And how does my life fit into his you should be asking that question, and you should be searching for answers to that. Because if you're not searching for answers to that, you, you're off the path of what God wants you to be doing. Or you have no idea and you need enlightenment. God's Word will help you there. God's people will help you there. The collection of God's people at church such as this will help you see what God has for you. And so... As we get to this portion in Esther, we need to review. Um, we're in chapter 5, but let's just review what happened in chapter 4. <clears throat> in 
in chapter 4, Mordecai and all of the city hear the, the decree that the king has signed. And this is the decree that the wicked Haman has uh, acted with the king to, and, and, and coaxed him into signing this decree because he hated Mordecai, who's a Jew. He wanted to destroy all of the Jews. And he set a, a law that can't be revoked. And he had the king to sign this law. And they signed it on the 13th day of the first month. And it goes into, the, into effect on the 12th month on the 13th day. So it's within the year, they got about 12 months before this happens, but by the king's edict, his command, his law, all Jews will be killed, destroyed, annihilated. This is a true story. How does this fit the purpose of God and his plan? You can see that it is Satan's plan to destroy God's people so that he might upset God's plan. But God is not going to let that happen. He never has. He never will. Satan will not have victory over God's plan. And so this is how it fits into our lives today. If you are on God's side, you are part of his people, and that has nothing to do with nationality or color of the skin or culture. It has to do with being born into the family of God spiritually. And when you're born into the family of God spiritually, you are God's children. You are God's people. And you fit in his plan. He's going to preserve his people. So the broad story of Esther is that God always preserves his people, but for what purpose? He preserves this people so that he can bring about his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be born in this family so that Jesus Christ may save the world. That's God's purpose. He'd be glorified in what he does in his son. So last week we said we, we made one statement. You should remember it. And it, it, it is one of those boom statements that should cause you to think. And we said this. God doesn't make Esther queen just so she can dress up and look pretty. God's purpose was not to make Esther queen just so she can dress up and look pretty. He has a purpose in what he's doing. His purpose is for this very moment in chapter 4 to rise to the challenge and be used of God to continue God's purpose. And so Esther finds out that, that, um, that there's this threat, that the king has signed this law. And so Mordecai comes to her and says, hey, you got to do something about this. And she says, I can't go to the, to the king uh, without his permission unannounced. If I do, um, I can be killed. Unless he extends to me the royal scepter and allows me to make my request to him. Uh, um, anybody who's making a request without him saying okay ahead of time will be killed. So that's the real problem that she faces. And she tells Mordecai this. And of course he says, hey. 
you need to uh, realize why God appointed you for what he appointed you. Excuse me. And so Esther is dealing with this challenge. What is she to do? What's her response? She goes to Mordecai and she says, gather all the folks you know and fast for me. And I'm going to go to the king and I'm going to make this request. And then she says this, if I die, I die. So she goes and she makes she makes that statement. Let's see what happens after this here in chapter five. <clears throat> Notice what it starts off in chapter five. Can you say those first three words, the first four words together with me? Chapter five of Esther. On the third day. On the third day. On the third day. Third day of what? Third day of the week? Third day of the month? Third day of the year? No, this connects us back to chapter 4 of what happens. Look at verse 15 of chapter 4. Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days. Night or day, and I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Esther told, tells Mordecai, I'm going to fast. I'm going to ask you to fast. I'm going to ask you to do it for three days. And then on the third day, I'm going to go to the king. And so in chapter 5, we see her in action. This is critical. We see her doing. She, she didn't say, hey, I'm going to fast and see what God wants me to do. She didn't say that. I am going to fast, and on the third day, I'm going before the king, and if I perish, I perish. What's the point here? What's significant here? Prayer and fasting are often connected. And we don't, we don't see the word prayer here, but the, I think that's what's, what's, what's kind of uh, uh, um, implied in her fast. That she is going to fast. She's going to commit herself. She's going to petition God and show the seriousness of this petition by denying herself the vital thing of food. And she's going to ask others to join in with her. And then she's going to go, and she's going to go and approach the king, even though she's at risk of being killed. I want you to notice that she prays or she fasts, but then she acts. I've entitled this chapter, Setting the Scene. Setting the Scene. The scene is set here after a season of petitioning. 
It's a very short season. It's three days that she petitions. She asks others to join her. But it says on the third day, we see her action. Esther ends her fast with action. Real faith means action. If you have a faith that doesn't act, you don't have a faith. Real faith means action. To pray and not act is an empty prayer. To pray and not obey is a faithless prayer. Real faith combines prayer with personal action. One of the beautiful things about the story of Esther is we see this all coming together. We see God acting behind the scenes. The whole story of Esther is that God is acting behind the scenes. We, his name is never mentioned in the entire book. The name of God is not mentioned. And yet it is a biblical book and is firmly about God and his actions, even though his name is not mentioned. God is acting behind the scenes. How is that encouraging? Because we need, as believers, we need to know that God is acting in our lives, prompting, moving, setting the scene so he can do as he desires to do, even though people don't acknowledge him and see him for who he is. Sometimes we live in a world where, 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 where obviously we live in a world God has not seen. None of us has ever seen God. But we know he's working in our lives. He is driving everything that's going on, and everything is going on according to his purpose. Jesus, when he taught his disciples how to pray, he's taught us to pray, Thy Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God's will is perfectly uh, being performed in heaven, but not on earth. And our prayer is that his will be done on earth, and God is bringing the events so that his will is, is, is going to be worked out even on earth. And he's working behind the scenes to make that happen. But the, the, the book of Esther is beautiful because it's not just God working behind the scenes. It's God working through human individuals to bring about his purpose. There is no awesome miracle in the book of Esther of God doing something uh, in a natural wonder type way that we would call a miracle. What we see in the book of Esther is God working through people. And that's what he does in your life. He works through you. And so we see in Esther, now she is challenged to act by Mordecai, and she fasts for, for three days, and then at the end of that fast, she does exactly what she's been challenged to do. To fast as an excuse, and I'm going to see what God wants me to do, is a faithless, worthless act. It's not an act at all. It's an excuse to do nothing. But Esther shows us what it is we ought to do. We ought to act. The emphasis is on her doing. Jesus said this. If you had 
faith the size of a mustard seed. And he was emphasizing that because it's very small. He says, if you got a teeny, beeny, little faith, you can move a mountain. You go, well, how is that possible? I was working in my yard this week, and I had a pile of old dirt that I had to move. I call that my mountain. You know what I did? I prayed. Lord, help move this mountain. Guess what God did? He said, you get your shovel. You get your pick. And on the hottest day of the week, I'm out there at the hottest time of the day, about noon. And he says, I give you the strength. You swing that pick and you scoop that shovel and you fill the bucket and you put it in your truck and you drive it to the dump and you empty it out and you come back again and you do that three times and that mountain is moved. And it was moved. <laughs> I have faith to move mountains. Did you know that? <laughs> One shovel at a time. I spoke a message once. We can move mountains a teaspoon at a time if we have faith in just a teaspoon and work and do. What I'm saying is this. Our faith works in accordance with our action, our doing. You don't pray to God and say, God, do this and fix this and then sit back and do nothing. You do what God tells you to do. And sometimes it's simple what God tells you to do. He says, pick up a shovel, pick up a pick, Get a bucket. I said, Lord, I ain't got him that many buckets. I don't do what he told you to do. Start doing that little thing. What you find out is you begin to do what God has called you and asked you to do and challenged you to do. Start with that little thing, and you will start to see God moving and actually answering that prayer. Do you have faith to believe? and to trust God, then it must also be accompanied by your work, your effort to do what God has called you to do. That should be applied in every area of our lives. God says, if you're asking God for a job, and is he challenging you, you know, you don't just sit at home and wait for it to come to you. You say, God, do you want me to work here? I'll apply here. What do I need to do? And as, I, as you begin to apply, you may realize you don't have the skills for that job that you're applying for and your chance to get them. You begin to do in, accords, in accordance with that request and that faith. And that's what Esther begins to do. It took a lot of courage. One of the things I like about this book of Esther, it combines some of her talents and some of the natural given things that God has given her with her own, what I call, character qualities. We'll get to that and, and, and point that out in just a moment. But the first thing we see is that she approaches the king. And then we see something amazing happen. You see that in verse 2? When the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight. 
Now, I, I want to point that out. How did that happen? When the king saw Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight. I want you to, to, to think. I want you to mull that over a little bit. How did that happen? I, I would suggest to you that favor is something that God gives, that God grants. It's, it's, I look at it as a grace that God extends. Now, sometimes we call it charm. We call it charisma, that people are drawn to us or they like us. They favor us in some way. Now, with Esther, that's probably easy to figure out. She was a beautiful person, right? And so it would be natural for the king to be attracted to her. She was queen now. But think about the process. There was a lot of beautiful women there before Esther became queen. And she had a lot of competition there. But it's God who granted her favor with the king. In fact, there's a history of how God has shown favor to her. Let's take a look at some of it. Esther gains favor in chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says this, So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa, the citadel, in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. And the young woman, woman singular, not women, but woman, the young woman, that means Esther, pleased him and won his favor. Haggai was the one in charge of, of these women who were in line to, to compete to be queen. And Esther pleased him and won his favor, it says. Same chapter, verse 15. When the turn came from Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter, to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. Now, Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. Can you see God behind the scene? Yes, he uses her, her natural God-giving beauty, but he also uses her character, her character traits, to bring about favor on her behalf. And it says everybody liked her. You've met somebody like that. You may be like that yourself. People just like you. That's a favor that God has granted to you. He gave it to Esther. Now, I said this last week. God didn't make Esther queen just for her to dress up and look pretty. God didn't give her favor just so she can say, look how many people like me. Look how many friends I got on Facebook. <laughs> look, look, look how popular I am in school. He didn't do it just for that. He's got a whole purpose in this. I want you to, to think that through as, as we walk through this. But God gave her favor. And in the same chapter, verse 17, it says this, The king loved Esther more than all the women, and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Is that an accident? That coincidence? No, God granted favor to Esther 
But I'm, I, 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 I say to you that he did that for his purpose. Yes, it's a benefit to Esther, but he does that for his purpose. Let's keep going. I want you to think about this. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. We talk about God granting favor. Favor is kind of like being blessed, right? What's the opposite of that? <laughs> being cursed. <laughs> Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. I'm going to read a few verses there, starting at verse 10. This is the story of, of Cain and Abel. You know that story. Cain hated his brother Abel, and he killed him. Verse 10, he said, God asked, asked Cain, where are you? He said, I heard this. No, I'm sorry. Where am I? I wrote the wrong verse. What I want is chapter 4, verse 10. Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. It's the story of Cain and Abel. The Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Let me pause there. God says, Cain, to a degree, you are going to be cursed. You're going to be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth. You think that might be a little thing for killing his brother, but Cain understood. He says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Let's read on. See what you get, what we're saying here. Verse 14, behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. That's interesting. We don't know what the mark was. I wonder if it was even a physical mark. But there's something about Cain that God spoke a curse to him and says, Look, you won't bear the plant because ain't nothing going to grow. And everywhere you go, people are going to treat you in a certain way because of what you've done. I have cursed you. It's the opposite of favor. But notice God, Cain said, Oh, that, that's too much. When I go somewhere, they're going to kill me. God says, No. I dialed it down a little bit. I dialed it down a little bit so it won't go that far. In other words, I control your curse or your favor. I put it as I pleased for my situation or for what you have done. My point here is that God grants this favor. You can call it charm. You can call it charisma. You can call it personality or whatever. But God gives it. There are some people who, 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 who easily win over others. They have that, that ability, that character trait, you might say. I call it the favor of God. Let, let, let's go on and see how it works. I think it's a key in this chapter. So Cain loses God's favor because of sin. We saw Esther, how she gained God's favor. And go back to, to, to Esther, uh, chapter 5 we're in, and, and look at verse, we saw verse 2 and verse 8. It says in verse 2, when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight. 
in verse 8, she says this, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleased the king to grant my wish and fulfill my request, and then she goes on, point is that somehow the king has favored her. You have to ask the question, why? I understand she's a beautiful woman, and, and she has won that, but how does she win that? God had granted to her favor. Haman is another person. Look at chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Haman gains the favor of the king. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Hagen, the Agagite, the son of Amadatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. You have to ask the question, why Haman? There was something about him that the king says, look, I'm going to promote you to this position. God had granted even this wicked man, Haman, the favor that he had. Now, later on, we see that God took it away. <laughs> Haman was, 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 was not favored later on by the king, and the king changed his mind, ended up hanging Haman. I'll say to you, God grants gain or lose that favor. Mordecai loses favor with Haman. Look at chapter 3, verse 3. Then, he, then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's command? Mordecai wouldn't bow down to Haman who was promoted. And Haman hated him for that. Mordecai lost favor in Haman's eyes, didn't he? To where Haman wanted to kill him. And in fact, we know the story as we've spoken before that Haman, instead of just merely killing Mordecai, set out to kill all the Jews because of his hatred of Mordecai. But we also see how Mordecai later gains favor with the king. Later on in the storyline, we'll see how that happens. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, we're told about Jesus himself. Luke chapter 2, I'm turning in now. hope you can turn there. Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says this. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. God working in his own son's life granted him favor. He already had favor with God, but he granted him favor with man. God grants that. It's all right for you to pray for favor. Don't you pray that sometimes? God, I'd, I'd like to get this job. I'd like to get this position. There's many other people in competition with me, but I would pray that you give it to me. Grant me favor with those that I interact with. You pray that sometimes, and, 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 and that's, that's an okay thing to pray for. You recognize it's God who grants that. It's God who gets that, who gives that. We recognize that, and, 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 and we, we see that in all of our lives. We say, well, it's not always the best person who gets selected or the most qualified person who gets selected, but somehow that person has won favor. We even hate that sometimes. We don't understand it. We don't get it. In fact, we have a word called favoritism, right? We don't like when people get selected because they've been chosen as a favor, as a favorite especially when they don't have qualities that meet the description for what they should be doing. But we recognize God grants favor. 
And God is doing this to bring about his own purpose. Here's the challenge. I've said this. You can pray for favor, but you need to do what Esther done. And that is, the same thing that Mordecai did, we'll see later on in the story, is use your favor for the glory of God. Remember what I said last week? God didn't make, queen, make Esther queen just to dress up and look pretty. But to use her favor for the purpose of God. Do you ask God for favor? Favor in the eyes of others? And are you willing then to use that favor for the glory of God? Not just for your own benefit. Yes, it is going to benefit you. But God has a broader purpose. Are you looking at what he's doing? He's looking at your attitude and why it is you want to be where you want to be. And I think we have a, 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 a classic example in the story of Esther. We'll look at as, as we walk, go through and you can, you can examine it. It's the difference between Mordecai and Haman. Haman was granted favor by the king, rose up to a high position, later on lost all of that and lost his life. Mordecai was an humble servant, low position, but he was granted favor by God. He was granted favor later on, not only by God, but the king himself, and he rose to replace Haman and rise above the position Haman would have ever had. What are you going to do? with the favor that you ask of God? Are you willing to commit to God's purpose? God is saying, look, Esther, I'm giving this to you for a reason because I'm setting you in this position for my kingdom and my glory. God has a right to do that, you know. He created you. He made all things. He made all things for his purpose. It's time we fit in with that purpose and submit to that purpose and that rule. I think it's what Esther did in her life. She's saying, God, you made me beautiful. <laughs> he did. And you gave me the charm and the favor that goes along with that. What do you want me to do with that? See, the problem is not with having favor. It's how we want to use it. People who have, know that they can influence people and charm people. And they like to use it to cheat people. To get things from people. To use and misuse people. To use them for their own purposes. Instead, what God would have you to do is use it for his glory and his purpose. He gave it to you. It's not evil to be beautiful. It's not evil to have a pleasing personality. It's not evil to be liked by others. You have to notice with this favor, there's, there's, and it teaches this thing, that there's something that, we're responsible for, and there's a part that we were given. You see that with Esther. I've mentioned it before. Esther was a beautiful person. She had no role in that. <laughs> you could say she was born with the right genes, that she, she, she just inherited that. She did nothing to work for that. You can say she developed, but you can't develop something that ain't there. If it ain't there, you can work her all you want. <laughs> Esther had the equipment to work with. God had given her beauty. But it wasn't just her beauty. We see her character in chapter, in the chapter four, we see her courage. And now at the beginning of this chapter, we see her courage to do, to act. 
she tells her, 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 basically her dad, Mordecai, to say, look, this, I realize this is what I need to do. I realize this is a dangerous thing to do, but I'm willing to place my life on the line. He is beauty and courage in one package. She uses what God has given her, and she develops her character for God's glory or for God's purpose to accomplish what God would have to be accomplished. We stand on the streets on Saturday and we talk to people and I realize that there are some who are gifted in that area to talk and, and uh, I ask the Lord for favor. I ask the Lord to allow me to talk to someone that I do not know, who does not know me, doesn't trust me. I, I was talking to uh, uh, um, um, Charmone and, and, and Lawrence, and they were saying that uh, the area we're in, there's a lot of Jehovah Witnesses that go by that area, and so people are leery of having a conversation with you because they don't know where you come from. So I would engage a person in conversation. I realized after talking with them for a few moments, they, I could put them at ease as, as to why I was there. I was not asking them for money. I was not a danger or a physical threat to them. I simply wanted to engage with them about spiritual truth. And ask God to grant me that favor. Now, some people didn't want to talk. Some people don't have the time of day. But God didn't open that door. But he allowed me to talk to some. And some that he allowed me to talk to, he allowed me to have the words to say, to speak his truth to them. There was a man at the Milwaukee Rescue Mission last night who I began to talk to. Brian preached the message, and, and he began to respond. But at first, there was a wall with him. And I realized that, I realized this afterwards, he was the one in the service that was causing the biggest disturbance cell phone going off, talking, doing a service, acting, doing all kinds of things. It was the disruption to God's word being communicated. But God was breaking through to him, and he was using somebody to, to, as, a, as a conduit to get to him. As I began to talk to this man, I could see his face begin to melt. Tears run down his face as, as he began to to, to, to meet the challenge I was giving him and all the things that were going on in his life to just say, you need to submit to God no matter what. And say, God, I don't know what's happening with all my life, but I need to say yes to you. Unqualified, yes. Without anything put on it, I'll do this if. No, yes to you. I trust you. So God granted that favor to be able to talk to that man in that way. What are you asking God's favor for? What are you going to use it for? Do you realize what he wants you to use it for? Not to just to highlight yourself, but for the glory of God. Esther used the favor that God had granted her for that purpose. So she invites the king to a feast along with Haman on that same day. Look at verse 4. We're back in Esther chapter 5, verse 4 now. She says, If it please the king, let the king and Haman come today to a feast that I prepare for the king. Now there's a lot in that verse. I want, I want to just 
get at it a little bit. First of all, when she fasted for three days, and on that third day, what did she do? She goes in and she approaches the king. And she says, if it please you, king, would you come to the feast and bring, bring your highest official, Haman, with you to the feast that I'm going to prepare? No, she said, to the feast I have prepared for you. What's the key word there? She did some stuff ahead of time. By faith, she knew God was going to open this door, and when he opened the door, she was going to be prepared. She couldn't say to the king, hey, um, come to this feast, and I'm going to hurry up and hope I can get it ready in time. No. You see, by faith, she had other people praying for her, and I don't think she did all the work herself. In fact, I think I'm pretty sure she did. It would have been impossible to do that. But ahead of time, in those three days of fasting, isn't that something? To fast and prepare a feast at the same time? Huh? A temptation, right? But she said, I'm going to trust that God is going to break through the king's heart, and when he does, I'm going to be ready to act. Her faith accompanied her fasting and her prayer, and it, 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 it worked into action. So it's not just sitting up in your room and on your knees praying. She did that. But then she got up off her knees. She called the servants together. She planned a feast, and she had it ready so that when she went to the king and says, Hey, thanks for holding out the scepter to me, and I'm ready to give you my request. I want you and your highest official to come to the feast that I have already prepared for you. She believed God was going to open that door. She was ready for it. What faith? Look at the king's request, uh, response, verse 5. Then the king said, bring Haman quickly so we may do as Esther has asked. Wow, do you, God is opening doors. This is the king. He ain't got to do nothing but be king. Esther came and says, would you please, if I've one favor in your eyes, would you please? And he orders a servant, go get Haman right now. We're going to this feast. It shows how quickly he responded. God is working there. And that Esther needed to be prepared for that quick response. You ever pray for something? And not be ready for when you get it. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I prayed for a car, but my garage so junky, I ain't got room to put it in. You better clean that garage out. <laughs> you better get ready for what you prayed for. I'm not talking about praying for just your selfish request. You see what Esther is doing. She trusted that God was going to act and do all that only he could do. She couldn't change the king's heart, but God could. But she was prepared for that. That shows her faith. Her preparation shows faith. So in verse 8, the king and Haman come to this feast, and she invites them to another feast the next day. Verse 8, 
if I found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleased the king to grant my wish and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come to the feast that I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king has asked. He is very skillfully preparing the king for this request. This kind of shows um, her character and, and some of her natural abilities. She knows <laughs> how we say she knows how to close a sale. <laughs> she knows how to draw him in and, 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 and bring him to uh, the request that she has. Notice the king's response. Each time she's asked for something, she says, hey, he says, hey, I'll give you up to half the kingdom. Wow, that's a lot. God has opened his heart to what he's doing. Can I say this to you? We took offering today, and, and I was listening to so many of the, the comments. We had one of our leaders pray for the offering before that prayer, we had another of our leaders come and, and tell, give you the update for where we stand in our finances. And, you know, you need to understand that, that all this ministry is supported by God's people here. And it allows us to do what we are going to do. It's a blessing to be able to do that. It's exciting to see how God supplies that need, and he does that through his people. But that's just it. We pray for the offering that it be used, that it be received, but it's God's people who give, and God takes that and uses that for his glory to make what needs to happen tomorrow and, and, and the rest of the week for the boys' camp, the following day, Saturday, for the uh, uh, block party, and the next week, for the jump rope camp, those things God is preparing to, to, to make happen through his people, through the faithful giving of his people. God has given the church a van. <laughs> given the church a van. Donated. We paid absolutely zero to purchase that van. We didn't have to purchase. It was given to us. God has, God supplies the need for his work, but he does that through people. God put it on the heart of Cliff to ask his neighbor, what are you going to do with that van? <laughs> I know a place that needs that and can use it. Now that we have it, what are you prepared to do for the glory of God? He's given us things to do. He didn't give, that, give us that van for it to be clean and washed and sitting out on the parking lot and look pretty. He gave it for us to use it for God's glory. What are you going to do to be part of God's purpose and accomplish God's purpose here? What are you going to do to use your gifts your favor, your talent, your energy, your life for God's purpose in your life. Do you even understand what God's purpose is for you? I always submit to you that you're, if you're like Esther, and that's how we are, few people know God's purpose or God's full purpose or where that's going to drive them. God leads us like a day at a time. He doesn't have to give us a 10-year plan. 
he says, submit yourself to me and make your gifts and, and talents available for my use. And I will show you. I will direct you. I will guide you. I will point you. I will lead you step by step where I want you to go and how you fit into my plan. So the way you find out that is you simply begin to listen to God, and you begin to obey, you begin to act on the little bit that God has given you right now. Don't go too far, because God doesn't tell you all of that. Begin to act today what God has challenged you with today. So we see that with Esther and how she responds to that, we see how God begins to open the door. When Esther prayed, when she fasted those three days, she was not certain that the king would extend to her the royal scepter. She says, if I perish, I perish. She didn't know how this was going to work out. But she planned, and she prepared ahead, and said, if God opens that door, I'm going to be ready for it. I got a feast prepared. And the king came to that feast and she invited him to another feast the next day. And she begins to work. Now, I really need to mention the rest of chapter 5. I won't be able to get to that today. We're going to look at Haman's attitude and his plans. <laughs> but I can't say this. Haman was a man of action as well. He believed in doing he was a, a go-getter. He got things done. The question is, are you doing it for your own selfish desires, for your own plan and your own purpose, or are you submitting to the purpose of God in your life? You cannot submit to the purpose of God <laughs> and be disobedient to what he's telling you to do. You're going to find out more of his purpose as you get in his word, as you connect with his people, as you say yes to what he's telling you right now. That's what I encourage you to do. That's what I urge you to do right now. That starts with trusting, putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I mentioned, that's, when I talk about putting your faith, it, it requires action. Not just thinking or saying, it requires action. It requires obedience to the Lord. Submit yourself <clears throat> to obeying God in the little small steps that he's challenging you to do, to live a life pleasing to him, to be committed to obeying him in everything, to stop saying no to him and say an open-ended yes. People have a problem with that. What do you mean open-ended yes? I mean open-ended. I say yes to God in everything he has to say and whatever he has me to do. If God says to me today, I want to send you to South Africa, then I need to say, Lord, when? Lord, what do you want me to do right now? You need to do the same thing. Say yes to God in whatever he has for you to do. Father, we praise you. We thank you for your word to us today. How you want to use our talents, our abilities. You put us in favor 
or out of favor. You direct our steps, but you want our lives. You demand that our lives be about your purpose and not our own. You're challenging hearts right now, Lord, and I pray hearts would meet that challenge. As I end my prayer there, you can still have your heads bowed. I want to ask you if you're saying yes to God in a particular small area, I want to pray for you. There's an action that he's requiring you to do, and you're saying yes to that right now. Raise your hand and I can pray for you. If you're not saying yes, don't raise your hand. If there's an action and you're saying yes to that right now, raise your hand right now. Now, as you put your hands down, I want you to think again. Are you willing to share that specific action with me or someone who can pray for you? If you're willing to do that, then I want you to do that so that I can pray for you or someone else can pray for you. Let's stand. Would you stand with me? Everybody, stand. Father, you've, pr you've prompted hearts, just a few, to act in a specific way. And I pray for those that they may make it known what that action is to someone so that someone can pray for them, me or some others. They can be accountable to that, and they are saying yes. Without holding back, without any strings attached, they are saying yes to you, to all that you say, all that you ask. They want to say yes. So I pray, Lord, that you would take them to that next step of acknowledging that with someone here today before they leave. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.